A reading from 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 13. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is a hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. <clears throat> Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, is preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains, as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for... If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he, can do not deny, he cannot deny himself. The Gospel of the Lord. Good start, good start. Uh, I always liked going first in speech class because I knew I could set the bar and it'd be really low. Um, so today's bar has been set pretty high by the baptisms and the worship and stuff. Um, so, but yeah, today's Camp Sorry Sunday, um, and we just thought it'd be an opportunity to kind of give a glimpse um, and opportunities for us to serve stuff. Sean is our honorary member today up in the drums. Um, but so thank you, Sean. And and basically, I'm just gonna give. Uh, a pa talk through a passage that we really believe is a heartbeat of Campus Outreach, and not just a heartbeat of Campus Outreach, but for the church itself and every believer that wants to be faithful um, to the word. So that's hopefully what we're going to get today. So I'll go ahead and pray real quick. Uh, Lord, um, show us your word. Father, show us you and um, what you want us to hear and what you want us to see. Um, Lord, but pray that ultimately we get Christ. So pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you probably want to open to this passage today because I'm going to fly through some things. I'm not going to be the best in this clicker, um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But last time I came up here and gave a sermon, I did at least two things. One, I told a story to begin, and I bawled my eyes out at the end. Um, and one of those things is for sure going to happen, as I'm going to tell a story, uh, and the jury's out on the second one. Um, we'll see how that goes. But I, I'm going to start with this story, and it's going to sound really weird. Like You're going to be like, wait, Brock's telling this story like in church? Like, this is, wait, what's happening? And that's going to be may awkward in moments for you. Um, but, but I'm telling this story because I think it gives, it'll make a point, and it gives a glimpse into my life before Christ. And my parents don't know about this story. Um, we never talked about it, um, but they're here today. I didn't pr prepare the story when, with them in mind. I just gave them a quick warning and said, I don't know if you know the story, but here we go. Um, but, it, and it, but it's about me mainly. And, and so well, I grew up, and I didn't, like, I never drank alcohol until I was, until I graduated high school, because I, I like, thought I was a Christian, but I, but I really wasn't, um, was raised in a church, and, but it just never clicked for me, and, and so for some reason, I had set up all these bars to do this, whatever, like, don't do that, don't do this, um, but once I graduated, I started getting drunk all the time with my friends um, that summer, with, like, at parties, or just hanging out, and there was one time really early on in that summer, either late May or early June, we had this pool party at my friend's house, and it was just a couple blocks away and like we were gonna drink and so I was like, okay, like, so I, I was like, I'm not gonna drive there, but I rollerbladed there, um, just three blocks away. So I roller, uh, you might see where this is gonna end up. Um, but and, yeah, and, and so I rollerbladed there. And um, there are some funny parts in this story, I realize. Uh, I don't tell this to be funny, but there's some funny parts. You can laugh at those parts. Um, but is, 
is that rollerblade there? We get there probably around dinner time-ish, and then we're just drinking. That's all we're doing. We're just drinking a ton, and then it gets probably midnight, and we're about to leave. Um, it's me and two of my friends are going back to my house. I don't know why I was like, you guys can stay at my house, but we did. Um, and so I'm like putting my rollerblades on, and my friend's like, Brock, you're not going to rollerblade back home. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm going to. I'm going to. Put them on, and then I stand up, and a second later, boom, on the floor. I fell. I mean, just flipped off the rollerblades. I was like, okay, not taking, not, not riding these home. Take the rollerblades off, and I'm walking three blocks in midnight and more with two of my friends back to my house. And then we get to my house and go downstairs, whatever, go to the bed. But what happens for the next eight hours is I am throwing up profusely over and over and over is I would crawl to my bathroom, I'd hug my toilet, throw up, and then just like pass out, crawl back to go to sleep. And just over and over that was happening, but I didn't know this was happening. I didn't know that this part was happening. My friend said, every time you did that, I'd walk into the bathroom and flip on the exhaust fan so maybe your parents wouldn't hear upstairs. And so, so I tell that story because it's like, it's a sad story, um, really, if you think about it. And, and that only happened the more I came to college, is over and over early on. Um, but the, the question that I think will make a point is, is how do I go from hugging the toilet in the basement bathroom of my house to standing before you today? Why am I already tearing up? Gosh dang it. Um, but it, 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 it's like, how does that happen? I, I think this passage will help us figure that out. I think the heart of this passage is that. And so it's important, I think, to have a little context for this today is when we're coming to our passage, our author is Paul, and our recipient is Timothy. And, and Paul is writing this letter to Timothy from a Roman prison. And what we have in chapter 4, probably, is, is Paul is kind of giving us a glimpse that he's probably already received a hearing, and he's, he's, he's awaiting his execution. He's pretty probably sure. He's like, man, I'm about to die. Like, these people are about to execute me. And so what we have here is the final letter, the final words, as we know, from, from one dear friend to another. And this should, this should hold a lot of weight. This should be like, okay, like you want your last words probably to mean something. You want them to have importance. You don't probably just want to say like the, a recipe that you make. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like you probably want them to have a lot of importance. And that's what we're getting here from Paul to Timothy. And it's a, it's a message that is a bold and clear call to persevere in the gospel. And then in chapter one of this letter, Paul reminds Timothy of this gospel and urges him to keep guarding this, the deposit that's been entrusted to him, he gives some examples of those who have turned away, and then gives an example of someone who is not ashamed of a Paul. And this is how we arrive to our passage today. So this is the context, this real quick context of what we're getting. And so we have verses 1 through 2. You see verse 1 up there. It says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the graces in Christ Jesus. What you've heard from me, presence of many witnesses, and trust the faithful men, who will teach others also. So Paul uses those examples. And he comes to Timothy and says, Timothy, here's all these examples, and now here I'm, I'm going to give you this guidance of how to live. And how he addresses them right away, I think, is a big deal. He says, my child. He says, you then, my child. And, and, and right, like, that, let's not miss that one real quick. He's like, you're just not calling random people your children. Like, like if I'm walking around at football practice and saying to someone, what's up, son? What's up, my child? They're like, what are you doing? They're like, who, who are you? Like, what, what are you saying in this? You're not just calling people your child unless you have a really close relationship with them. Unless it makes sense, it's like, man, like, I view myself as a spiritual father, and that's what Paul is saying, is he views himself as Timothy's spiritual father, and he has this parental relationship with, with Timothy, parent-son, and he's, which even more should color how we view this passage, is that this is even, in some ways, the last words from a father to a son. Um, and that, that's the passage we're going. And, and then Timothy, or then Paul moves and says, he says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what is this? And why is this where Paul starts? 
is the grace of Christ Jesus is the gospel, is that, is that God, that Jesus Christ the Son, has left the Father to come live amongst men, as the Bible says, the Word has dwelt amongst men, and taken on flesh, and he has been fully God, fully man, and he lived a life amongst men, and was perfectly sinless. He was al- always did the will of the Father, never disobeyed. And what happened is, is he actually then took on the death that the guilty were due. That, that the innocent one died in the place of the guilty, and he died on a cross, was embarrassed, ashamed, mocked, scorned, so many other words, and that he did not just die, but rose again three days later, proving that he conquered death, conquered, death, conquered sin, conquered the grave, and that those who trust in him have eternal life. That, that's the gospel, and that's what Paul is saying, Timothy, be strengthened in this. That, that, Tim, that Paul is giving Timothy his final words, and that this grace is found solely in Christ. He, he anchors it right there, be strengthened in Christ. And the, that Paul's starting point, because he knows, this is a reality, he knows that there's no way Timothy would persevere in the faith if he moves on from the gospel. He just knows, he's like, there's no way. It is Paul is reminding Timothy that you never graduate from the school of grace. Like, you, you don't kind of get a diploma, and then you move on. It's like, man, I've heard the gospel. Thanks, Jesus. See you later in heaven. It's like, I'm going to keep moving on to these other things. Like, no, Paul's saying, you never do. And, and I wonder, I think in my life, and I just wonder in our life, do we sometimes function as if we have? Do we function as if we've graduated from the school of grace and are now on to bigger and better things? We've moved on past Christ, and, and now I can learn all these different things. And I think Paul addresses this in Galatians chapter 3 when he says, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And I just think it's, it's of, the, of the utmost importance that we remain strengthened and grounded in the grace of Christ. Because Paul's about to lay out some really hard things to Timothy. He's about to say some really hard things. And, and, but Paul is saying they're all done by the grace of Christ. He's like, be strengthened in that. Like, apart from this, there's nothing. You can't do anything. And Paul moves into verse 2 giving some instruction, telling Timothy to take what he has heard from Paul and to give it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And I think this is verses, I can skip to now, there we go, good. Uh, it, this is big time right here. I could spend a whole lot of time on this verse. Um, I won't spend our whole time, but we get so much from Paul right here. So remember, right, at the beginning, he, he called Timothy his child. So them dudes gotta be tight, you know what I'm saying? He's like, my child, like, they gotta be tight. And Paul is telling Timothy, take all that you've heard from me and do it with other, other people and do it with other men. And like, why is that? It says so that they may reach others, that generation after generation may be reached. And this right here is so key to see is that Paul is not just saying, Timothy, just, just take something, just take a little bit, just, just take, he's not saying, Timothy, just simply go around, just share Christ and move on to people. It's like, yes, yeah, like, that's needed. But right here, right, imagine, Paul, Timothy's reading this and I'm not, maybe Timothy wasn't. Timothy's probably a lot more holier than I, but this is what I'd be thinking if I was him. I'm not trying to dog my boy Timothy, but he, he's out here saying, right, he's probably sitting here thinking like, Paul, brother, we did a lot of stuff together. Like, like we did so many things. Like, you've taught me so many things. Like, we spent a lot of time together. We spent so much time together. It's like, and you're telling me to take all that and do it with other people. It's like, it's going to take a lot of work, Paul. Like, you, you can't really be saying that. There's no way you're really saying that. And I, and I think Paul's sitting there like, yeah, that, that's what I am saying. I am saying, do that, and it's going to be worth it, is what Paul's saying as well. And Paul shows us right here that this is how the gospel advances from generation to generation. 
that followers of Christ share the gospel with those who don't know Christ, and not just the gospel, but their very lives, is what Paul gets at in First Thessalonians. Hoping and praying and expecting that God is faithful to fulfill his promises when he says he's going to save some, and then helping this new believer grow in their faith that they may do the exact same thing, that it's not just simply like, here, I shared Christ with you, Praise God if they come to faith. Like, that's amazing. It's like, but good luck. Like a little, like a mother bird kicking their, like, whatever it is. I don't even know what you're called. Birdling, something. <laughs> little, little baby bird out the nest and saying, good luck. Fly. You know what I'm saying? That's not it. But, but I wonder, is that how we often treat this? Do we treat it as like, good luck, move on? But Paul's saying, no, like, develop them deeply. Do this exact same thing. And that this would happen over and over and over. And this is a vision for multiplication that, that Paul's laying out, that, that, that this is actually what God was getting at when he told Abraham or Adam at the very beginning in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. Yes, he was talking about physically, and they multiplied for sure. But he was talking about a spiritual reproduction as well. And Paul actually in Colossians is probably, he like grounds this more, and now it means spiritually, like multiply spiritually. This is how Christ designed it. He invested in the few to reach the many. This is what we see the, the church and Acts do. That this is the model that Christ has set forth for people to follow, that Christians would give their lives away, that others may come to know Christ. And we just look at Jesus. Did, did he not say himself, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many? Is that, should we not follow in Christ's footsteps in giving our life away? It, it, to not serve ourselves what I'm not saying is try to die the death that Christ died. That, that's heretical. I would never say that. If anyone says that, don't listen to him. Um, but, but he's saying, he's like, man, like, should we not live our life in service to others for the gospel? And if, if I'm you, like I'm sitting here saying this and, and hearing this, and if you're sitting here hearing this, you're probably thinking like, dang, like Timothy again, like this is going to take a lot of work. Like this is going to take a lot of time. But, but again, I don't think that's lost on Paul. I don't think Paul's sitting here thinking like, that's not going to take a lot of work, if, just especially if we look at these next few verses. I'm not going to read them, but you see them. That's why I said hopefully turn there. So you see three through six, and we're just going to get there. Or, yeah, six. Is Paul gives us three case studies on what it's going to take. He says the dedicated soldier, the disciplined athlete, and the hardworking farmer. And when I, can, when I see this list, I can only somewhat say that I've attempted to do one of them, and that was an athlete, and I was average at best. So it's like these three things that Paul's giving us examples and case studies it is Paul's listing out these things, and I don't think any of us in here are saying those three things are really easy to do. Anyone does those three things. I could do that in my sleep. I don't think any of us in here are sitting here looking at the athlete, the hardworking farmer, and the soldier saying, simple. You know what I'm saying? Anyone in here that's done that, is that, or has been that, or knows people is like, that takes so much dedication. That takes so much work. That takes so much time. That takes so much sacrifice. And I think that's exactly the point that Paul's trying to make here to Timothy. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice for the gospel to continue to reach generation after generation after generation for Christ, for the work of Christ to continue going forward. It's going to take Christians to live like this, that they're strengthened in the grace of Christ. And because the grace of Christ moves them, it goes this way. And, and, but Paul, re remember this, Paul has this all again grounded in the grace of Christ. We, we can't miss that, that it flows out of that. And again, just to think that, that Paul's sitting here in a Roman prison, awaiting execution, having 
written 13, I think it's 13 books of the, the New Testament. You find his journeys and acts, all the stuff where he's been traveling, being getting beaten, and I'm going to get there later. But all these things, is like, and he's probably thinking, how is this gonna thing going to keep going? How is this going to keep going when I die? And, and like, yes, yeah, like he, he's trusting that God is faithful, but he's, but he's laying again out the blueprint for how does this gospel keep advancing? How does it keep reaching the world? And it's right here. And then he ends this section with verse 7, right? Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding of everything. As Paul wants Timothy to think over what he says, he's like, man, think over these things. I think the Lord's going to give you understanding. And this is my encouragement to us as well, is that we would think over what this looks for our lives. That, that maybe there's some things that we need to start doing. And maybe there's some things we need to stop doing if we're really going to live this out. And this is a promise the Lord gives us that he's going to give us understanding, that, that God is so gracious and kind to reveal to us his word, and that we can have this promise that the Lord will give us this understanding. So let's not be lazy when we come to God's word, but let us really be students of it and try to help it, have it uncover, uncover truths that he is revealing to us in his word. And then we get verse 8. moves on to verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. And then verse 9 says, For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Is after all those hard things that Paul just said to Timothy, he brings us right back to where we need to be brought. And right, he says, he brings us to the sole motivation and reason behind everything he just said. Like, like he is urging, urging Timothy, he says, remember Jesus. He's saying, remember Jesus Christ. It, I'm, I'm, there's not an exclamation point there, but I'm sure there's, actually there is at some point once we'll get there. Um, but it's like, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. He, he's saying, and he's saying this to us the same way. And we could be sitting here thinking is like, do we really need a reminder to remember Jesus? I mean, we're in here in church, right? Like, how could we forget Jesus? Like, like Paul just, does Timothy really need this reminder to remember Jesus? It, he just said it a couple verses ago. And, and I would say, yes, we do. And, and I just want to ask you, have you ever been in this situation? Is where you're in one room in your house, and you're sitting, you're doing something, and you're like, oh, I need to go do this. So you do whatever you need to do, get up and go, and you walk to that other room, and the second you get in that room, you're like, wait, why am I in here? Like, like what was I doing? Like, in the, but so what's happened in that short little walk from one room or the other to, to there is you've forgotten your whole purpose and your whole reason, and the only reason you got up to go to that other room. That happens to me all the time, way more than I'd care to admit. And that's just a case study of the human memory, is that we are so quick and easy to forget, especially with the distractions of the world. And I think this is exactly what the people of Israel were consistently suffering from, that they forgot the Lord their God who brought them out of, the, out of slavery. And I think this led to their unfaithfulness time and time again. And so that's exactly where Paul grounds us again. He's like, he's like, remember Christ. I just told you all these hard things, and it could be good and thinking like this, this, and this. But it's like, no, remember Jesus Christ. And he's not only saying remember the person, but remember the work. He says, Remember the person, he says, when he's risen from the dead, he's affirming Christ's divinity, that he is God. And he says, offspring of David, he affirms Christ's humanity. So he's like, remember the person, that he is fully God, fully human. And when it comes to the work, he reminds us that Christ really has risen from the dead, that he really has paid for the sins of his people, that he really has conquered, this, conquered sin, conquered death, and defeated the grave, and that he now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's what Paul's saying. Timothy, remember this. Remember this as preached in my gospel. And because, I'm take a drink. Because Paul's telling Timothy, 
remember this because it's going to get hard and it's going to get scary. And, and he's saying, but keep your eyes fixed on Christ. He's like, keep your eyes fixed on Christ and remember that the tomb is empty and the throne is occupied. And that keeping your vision high on the person and work of Christ is the only thing that will keep us in the game. It's the only thing that will keep anyone in the game of following Christ. And don't lose sight of this because without it, you won't make it. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. Oh, there we go. Now I'm gone. I'm on it. And he says, this is the gospel that Paul is suffering for. That He's literally saying he's bound with chains as a criminal. And again, it's like a father to his son. And Paul's not shying away from saying, do the exact same thing I'm doing. Timothy, again, is reading this, knowing that Paul's about to die. And he's getting a message from Paul saying, do the exact same thing that I've done. Doing the exact same thing. You, you would think, it's like, Paul, don't you have a little bit more, like, worry about my life? You want me to be exactly like you are? It's like, but Paul's saying it's worth it, and we're getting it because Christ is worth it. That the truth of the person of Christ is because what Paul is preaching has got him about to be executed. He's writing to his friend this. And at verse 9, we see Paul say, the word of God is not bound. That Paul is contrasting his current state, bound as a criminal, to the ever-present state of the eternal word of God, that it's not bound. It's not bound. That even though the enemies might try to change the messengers of Christ, that the sovereign Christ will never allow the message of Christ to be chained. That, that's what Paul's saying. Like, let this be a huge comfort to us, that the word of God will always accomplish its purposes. That's a promise. It cannot be bound. Like the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah, he said this, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. But, but this leaves me with a question. Is, is like, do, do we really believe this? Do, do we really live like God's word is not bound? Do we really believe that God says what he's going to do? How would our lives look like if we really took God at his word? Is, is I imagine that all of our lives, including mine, would look drastically different if we really believed God at his word. Maybe this should lead us to some confession and repentance and, and evaluation and think like, man, like, God, do I take you at your word? Do I really believe that you'll do what you say you're going to do? And this takes us into verse 10. Is Paul is saying, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I, I love this verse. Um, I want this to describe my life, but I don't, I don't think it can. And, and again, Paul is saying here, like, everything that he's done, everything, he endures it, that others may come to know Christ. And that's what he's saying. He, he says he'll go through whatever suffering it takes because he knows that others will come to know Christ as their Savior with the eternal glory. And you might be wondering, like, well, what are some things that Paul went through? Like, did, did he really suffer that much? Like, I know he's about to get killed. Like, maybe he had some tax fraud. Maybe something happened. Like, maybe, maybe he did something where he stole some money. Like, maybe he's really not in there for the gospel and stuff. But I'll, I'll just share some sufferings that Paul really went through. He gave us a good list in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, with far greater labors, with far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, 
danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, food and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the, all the churches. It's a pretty good list of suffering, if I had to say one. Um, it's like a grocery list of suffering that Paul just went through. And, and he's saying, I endure it all. I endure it all for the sake of Christ. And so how, how is Paul able to go through all of that and be sitting in this prison and saying, all of it, I endure it all? It's because of exactly what he's reminding Timothy of. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. The grace of, Paul, the grace of Christ is how Paul was able to persevere because he saw Christ was worth it that God always keeps his promises, that his sufferings were not in vain, and that what he says in verse 10 is true, that people will come to faith in Christ through the hearing of the gospel. It's Paul is showing Timothy and us all the way back from the very beginning of this passage that this is how God has designed for the gospel to go forth, that for generation after generation to be reached for Christ, it is through the followers of Christ taking Christ at their word and giving their lives away. Did Jesus not say, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? Did, did he not say you must lose your life to find it? I, I'm not saying we must go out and seek persecution and suffering and those things. That's, that's not, not the point. But what Paul is saying is like, Timothy, like this is Timothy in church and everyone is like, this is how the Christian life is supposed to be. And he's saying, though, that when we live on mission for Christ, when you live for Christ, it's all worth it. And whatever may come, it's worth it. And that's the question to ask ourselves that, I, that I'm asking myself and for us is where do you draw the line when it comes to following Christ? Do you draw it when it comes to your bank account? Do you draw it when it comes to how you spend your weekends? Do you draw it when it comes to how you spend your summers? Do you draw it when it comes to your family? Do you draw it when it comes to your sport? Do you draw it when it comes to your retirement plans? Do you draw it when it comes to partying? Do you draw it when it comes to schooling? Do you draw it when it comes to relationships? I could keep going on and on and on. And, but the point is this. The point is this. There's actually no line to be drawn. There's no line. Christ is saying to all of us, your life is mine. He's like, I bought it. It's mine. And, and not just simply that, but he also says that we actually find our life in him by losing it. And he says this is actually the most satisfying way of living. That that true joy is in Christ and not in anything else. That Christ gives full satisfaction and true joy. And he's saying Christ is worth it. This is what Paul is showing Timothy. And we have the privilege of hearing right now that Christ is worth it. And so a question is, what would it look like to lead our families, our ministries, and our church in light of verse 10? It's a question to think about. And then we get to these last couple of verses. Obviously, you can add whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, you have, hopefully, the Bible open. Um, verses 11 through 13. Our passage comes to a close with these next few verses that, that Paul is quoting a popular saying of the time, and he says that these things are trustworthy, meaning we, we can take it as it is. And there's two pairs of saying in this. The first is a, is a pair of, is a saying that's to those who endure faithfully, faithfully, and the second is to those who are unfaithful. But both of them are guarantees. It is the, the first is saying, Actually, I can go back to this. There we go. The first is saying is that if we have died with Christ, we will live with him. It's probably referencing Christ's teaching of saying like all who, 
like that all who do not die to themselves, take up their cross and follow Jesus will have life. That's what he's saying. It's probably referencing that, that to lose your life and find it in Christ means to truly live and that to endure this life by the grace of Christ will result in reigning with him in the life to come. That this pair of this first pair is actually a really comforting reality to those who have a life with Christ. And the second pair, um, it's a little combo, but it's whatever. The second pair is saying that if we deny Christ, that he will deny us, which is probably referencing Christ's teaching when he says, whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. In this, the end of this pair says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And, and I, what I don't think this is saying is that even if we deny Jesus, he'll never deny us. Like that, that's, just, that's just not what I think this is saying. If you take in all of Scripture, it, it, it's not saying that. It, what it is saying is that if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful to his character and holding out to what he says he's always going to do, and in this case would include rejecting the faithless. I think the end of this saying is actually a warning to those who continue in unfaithfulness to Christ. That's what I think this is saying. I think it's affirmed by the last phrase Paul writes in this section. It says, for he cannot deny himself, talking about Christ, which should be encouraging us that God cannot and will not act contrary to his nature, that he is faithful, that he always does what he promises he'll do, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning that God will extend mercy to those in Christ and enact justice on those apart from Christ. This, this is what this is saying, is that, that God is faithful. God always does what he says he's going to do. The word of God is not bound. He always comes through on his promises. And, and that through the grace of Christ, and only the grace of Christ, followers of Jesus are to give their lives away for the sake of the gospel, to reach generation after generation after generation with the eternity message, eternity-changing message of Jesus Christ. Because the word of God is not bound. All suffering for Christ is worth it. Because Christ is worth it. And he says that many will come to faith in him. And as I'm bringing this to a close, this is a part where who knows if I'll make it through. We'll be fine, though. As I'm bringing this to a close, you might realize I haven't answered the question I posed with my first story of how do I go from hugging the toilet of my basement bathroom in my house to, to here, right before you today. Um, and I think the best way to answer that story is with another story. Um, I like telling stories. Um, but is in August of 2014, I enrolled in Eastern as a freshman, um, came to college, doing the exact same thing that I was doing in that first story that I told you, kill, continue living that way. A um, couple weeks in, so I have, the, I have this friend who is my age on my floor. He's joined a fraternity, but he, he turns to me one day and he says, Brock, I signed up for this basketball tournament. Um, I, I really don't want to play in it, though. Like, I, I just signed up with some of my friends. Like, like I know you like playing basketball. He's like, I just kind of want to go out tonight. Um, and, and go out to the bar, like, would you play for me? I'm like, oh, sure. He's like, I've already paid and everything. So I end up on this team that I know no one of, never knew this term was happening, show up, get the numbers. We lose all three games. We sucked. We were really, really bad. Um, and, and I actually, like, accidentally start, like, a benches-clearing brawl that there was no punches thrown. Um, <laughs> but, but it's funny. It's like it really is like at some point, like, people clear, like, the people are holding people back. I don't know what's happening, but someone's trying to punch me. It's not happening, but duck, no, I'm just he didn't throw any punches. But, uh, but that's happening. So, but we lose. 0-3, done, tournament over, didn't talk to anyone, didn't know anyone, didn't, like, people on the team had no idea who they were. And, and then uh, the next, like, later that week or earlier the next week, it's probably Monday night, I'm doing homework, which is weird. I didn't really do homework to begin with. Um, but also, this is weird. It's, I'm just getting bored, which is not that weird. Um, but is, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go on a walk. 
And I never go on walks, so I don't understand why that was happening. I'm like, I'm gonna go on a walk. So I walk out of my dorm, and outside the back of my dorm is the tournaments on championship night. Obviously, I wasn't invited because we went 0-3. Um, but it is, is, so this championship night's happening, it's over, there's this guy shooting hoops, and I walk up to him, and I'm like, oh, hey man, what's your name? His name's Brock as well, so it's kind of funny. He's like, really? He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And he's, I'm like, what's your last name? He's like, Kemp. I was like, oh, mine's Cookman. And then we find out we have actually the same exact initials, B-A-K. So it's kind of funny. Um, but if you knew Brock as well, um, you'd understand the story, the way that he's reacting. Um, but so we're talking. And, and he goes, he's like, dude, are you going to that flag football tournament in Indianapolis? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, oh, well, a lot of us here are going to this flag football tournament um, coming up pretty soon. He's like, would you want to go? I was like, oh, sounds kind of fun. I was like, sure. And he goes, he's like, He's like, it, it, there's a Christian, he's like, something, there's a Christian conference, um, there's like three talks on Christianity, and then uh, there's a tournament. I was like, oh, I'm a Christian, that's cool with me. I was like, at the time, thinking I was, he's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah. And he goes, ah, there, there's actually one more catch. I was like, oh, what? And he's like, it's $47 and the registration's due tonight. I was like, oh, okay. And so I pull out my wallet, and I look in there, and I have two 20s of five and two ones, $47, no more, no less, exactly cash. I'm not embellishing the story, that's exactly what happens. And probably, really, probably the only reason I had that money is because I was out drinking the weekend before. That's the only reason I had cash was to use it at parties. There's no reason why I had cash and had that exact amount. And I, so I had $47, exactly, I'm like, sure, I'll go. He's like, wait, really? I was like, yeah, sure. And so, um, so we go to the, t- the this tent to sign up, introduce me to this guy named Zach. And so sign up. A couple weeks later, we go to this conference, um, spend a lot of time with them, really enjoy it, and we come back, and, and Brock and Zach, from that point on, conti- start to befriend me, become some of my closest friends, and are sharing the gospel with me, continuing to, they're doing Bible studies, where, um, where they're answering my questions about Christ, what does it look like to be a Christian, all these things. At some point in March of 2015, not even a year after that first story, God saves me, um, changes my heart, and I've been radically different ever since. Um, and... The point, though, well, praise God for that, honestly. Um, I wouldn't, that's, that's why I wouldn't be here. Um, but, but the point is this, it is that Zach and Brock believe this passage so much that they lived it out, that they gave me their life, they gave me the gospel, and that they saw that this is how the gospel goes forth. And that um, and I'm so thankful for them. So thankful. Um, I'm gonna get through it. I'm not. I'm gonna be fine. Um, but but so much so that so much so that they didn't just that they, that they gave me their life. That Zach was officiating at our wedding this summer, and and Brock was one of my grooms. And um, but yeah, my life my life from that point on has been dra- radically different. We got five more lines. We're good. Um, but but just, I really am so thankful that they didn't view this as a mere suggestion, but as a call for every Christian. That's, that's the answer to how I'm here today. That's the answer for the gospel to continue going forth over and over and over, is that Christians would take God at his word and live it out. Um, so let us not live as if God's word is bound, let us as a church be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and spend our lives being poured out as an offering for him so that he gets all the glory and many others come to know him. So I'll go ahead and pray and we'll be done. Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you um, that it saves, that you get all the glory through it. Um, Lord, that we're so unworthy, um, Lord, and, 
And thank you that you, you give us your word, too, to, to come to know you through it, to be pointed to you and have life in Christ. And, um, Father, apart from Christ, there is no life. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that wherever we're at in here, that you, that you meet us today, whether it's someone who's been a, in Christ for a while or, or people in here who may not know Christ. Um, Lord, I pray that today um, you would come and meet us where we're at. And, and Lord, that for generations, for generations, the gospel could go forth um, because of people in this room living out this passage, living out the heart of Christ. Um, and Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for the rest of this day. Thank you for just a physical representation of that today. Um, and the baptisms and then the words we sing through worship, um, through the words we recite in the confession and the Apostles' Creed and as we take communion later. So, for us in Jesus' name, amen.